Welcome to the JPM podcast. Uh, I'm James Nelligan, currency strategist for, for G10. I'm here to just talk about the uh, the outlook for some of uh, the European currencies. And I've got uh, our Scandi economist, Morten Lund, here with me today. Uh, so, Morten, thanks for joining me. And uh, let's start with any key takeaways from the Riksbank meeting last week and what you're thinking uh, more broadly on, on the Swedish economy here. Yeah, thanks, James, for uh, for inviting me. Um, so I think the the key takeaway from from last week's uh, meeting was that it was it was definitely a uh, a dovish fifty basis point rate hike, um, where the um, the board is now kind of moving from a a phase where they felt they needed to to react um, quite aggressively. Um, because of the high core inflation and now moving a bit more to a gradual phase. Um, so it has really, you know, the the board has, has been struggled a bit with, um, you know, very high core inflation and a weak Swedish krona on one hand. Um, and then on the other hand, they have had um, an outlook for growth that is pretty weak and concerns about the uh, housing market and financial stability. Um, so it has been a bit of a, a difficult position for them. And I think this was also um, visible in, in the sense that we actually had two dissenters for, for the first time in, in, well, in a very long time. Um, they only wanted 25 um, um, basis point last week. And it seems like, you know, ahead of the meeting, markets were a bit positioned for maybe the Rex Bank going 50 basis point in June. Um, that has that looks very unlikely now because the the board was now guiding to uh, 25 basis point in either June or um, September. So um, clearly a, a dovish tilt by them. Um, we do still think that uh, a final rate hike in, in June is is the most um, likely scenario um, from here, given that conflation is still running hot and there are some concerns. Uh, that the, the corona uh, is still weak, so we do think that uh, that that is the most likely one. In terms of you know the the outlook, I, I did already say that that it is a bit bleak, um, and you know we we did a note last week where we compared a bit Sweden to euro, to the euro area. Normally the two economies move quite a lot of, in tandem, but it's going to be a bit different uh, this year, we think. Um, where you know we are expecting a contraction in Sweden, whereas the euro area should hold up a bit more. Um, and it is really, you know, uh, a lot of the factors that are driving um, the, the weak growth outlook in Sweden are um, related to uh, interest rate sensitivity um, among the households. So we do expect private consumption con to contract and investments to um, to uh, contract. Um, so I think the overall message is that um, the Swedish economy is, is not looking good. Um, it is, we do have the lowest uh, growth outlook for uh, Sweden on is it is the lowest uh, among the uh, the TM economies, but I think you know, um, having this in mind, I could perhaps uh, ask you, James, what all of this means for um, the currency. Sure, thanks, Morton. So, um, you know, when when we look across the G10 currencies, Stocky does screen as as one of the more stagflationary, one of the most stagflationary on our metrics. That's that's just in terms of uh, growth and inflation revisions so far this year. And obviously yesterday we saw that theme continue with uh, the new orders component within the, the manufacturing PMI making a new, new cycle low. 
And uh, b- before last week, you did have the RICS Bank at, at least trying to, to provide an offset to that for the currency with the surprise QT announcement in February and, and the more hawkish tone on the currency. But now you obviously have a situation where the stagflationary dynamic is still there, but uh, the RICS Bank have, have clearly backed down uh, from their, their more hawkish stance towards the currency, which, you know, if anything, in combination, that's uh, a more bearish outlook for Stocky. Um, and the, there was even talk before last week, week's meeting of, of potential FX intervention. And obviously, we didn't see that on the day. Um, so we took profits on uh, our Euro stocky longs just before uh, last week's meeting uh, to, to account for some of the potential hawkish risks. But um, we did re-enter those, uh, those longs af- after the Riks Bank meeting last week. And, uh, you, you know, our, our European economists have, have got an out of consensus call for for a 50 basis point hike from the ECB this week. So, you know, that in combination with what the Riks Bank did would uh, would offer some uh, more pronounced uh, policy divergence for Eurostocky potentially. So uh, we're still along there. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to tomorrow's uh, Norges Bank meeting. So what are you thinking there, Morton, and, uh, and for the Norway macro in, in general? Well, 25 basis point is, um, is the wide expectation, uh, both among, you know, uh, economists and, and markets. Uh, we do also have 25 um, in our forecast, but we do think that the risk is perhaps, um, you know, it's obviously to the, to the upside, but we do think the risk is a bit of that, of such a move is, is a bit higher than perhaps what markets are expecting. And that is very much related to um, the weak Noki. Um, I think we're testing 1190 today. Um, and we did have in the last the last um, at the last meeting in March, we had the um, committee coming out and saying that the weak knocky could be a catalyst for a higher rate path, which I would say is a pretty unprecedented um, focus on the currency. Um, normally, Nordisk Bank has had a tendency to look past, um, you know, currency movement and 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 those effects that it would have on on imported inflation. Um, but that is clearly not the case um, at the moment. So I, I do think that there is the potential for a, a hawker surprise. Maybe maybe not the most likely is them doing 50, but perhaps we, they could uh, come out and signaling uh, something more aggressively um, for the upcoming meetings. But it is a, a so-called interim meetings, meaning that which which means that we won't have, get any updates on the rate path or or the macroeconomic projections. So historically, they have tended not to to signal so much. Uh, but do you think there is a risk of a of a hawkish surprise here? Um, in terms of the economic outlook, um, uh, growth for for Norway mainland um, has also been slowing. Um, but it has proven a bit more resilient, um, I would say, than, than most expected also us uh, going into the year. Um, the Norwegian economy is, um, like Sweden, uh, quite interest rate sensitive. Um, but we have seen the consumers um, having a higher incomes and we have also seen them willing to um to drawing on excess savings so that has underpinned um consumption a bit but i would say that the outlook for for 2023 overall um is bleak and, and we do expect um growth to, to come in a, a bit below um what we would deem potential but um the outlook is, is not as bad as as we see in um in sweden but i think uh 
James, now there is so much focus on the uh, Norwegian Krona and why it is so so weak. Um, and now we also have the, the meeting tomorrow. So, so what is really the the outlook for uh, for the Noki? Sure, thanks, Morton. So, you know, clearly Noki weakness has extended quite dramatically lately um, with Euro Noki breaking above uh, eleven ninety this morning. Uh, Norge's bank have obviously pushed back against that, but they're, they're clearly not doing enough for the currency. So firstly, the market doesn't like the level of uh, ongoing FX purchases from Norge's bank. So that's running around 1.4 billion Noki per day. Um, in our view, though, that, that shouldn't be as big a deal for the market. So if you just look at BIS data, it shows daily trading volumes in Noki around $24.5 billion a day. So Norge's bank FX purchases are a small share of, of daily volumes. And when we look at the residual on our, our Noki fair value model, there's there's no major historical relationship with, with the FX purchases. So what could be happening is that, you know, it's more of a psychological factor where investors have lower conviction and are just put off by Norge's bank consistently stepping into the market. Uh, but flows we think that could be more influential for Nokia are probably on the carry side and the CTA side. So uh, in terms of our systematic strategies, carry is really the only FX strategy that's delivered positive returns for the for the year so far. So we think the market might be using Nokia to kind of fund carry strategies. Uh, so in our year ahead publication, we, we showed Nokia's uh, carry relative to its high beta characteristics make, make it more of an, an effective funder. And it also provides, obviously, a risk-off hedge um, to the carry trades. Um, so we're, we're currently on the sidelines in, in terms of uh, specific trades in Noki, but we, we don't really want to fade uh, Noki weakness here, given you know the ongoing hunt for carry and uh, you know this ongoing frustration the market has with uh, with Norge's FX purchases. Uh, so rounding things off for Europe, uh, just a, a quick uh, FX Bank of England preview. Uh, for next Thursday's meeting. Um, so our, our UK economist is expecting a 25 basis point hike in, in, in line with market pricing. Uh, we've we've seen some, some upside surprises, obviously, for inflation and, and wage growth. So our econ team is, is also thinking that the, the central bank will keep a tightening bias and potentially follow through on that if, if data keeps uh, surprising to the upside. So for sterling, that kind of outcome for the Bank of England is, is likely to support the currency on the day. Uh, but more medium term, you know, as a high beta currency, we, we think it's ex exposure to, to a more intense U.S. slowdown will potentially limit gains uh, for sterling. Uh, so last week, uh, a number of the broader cyclical signals that we look at started to break down more aggressively, whether that's you know, cyclical defensive equity baskets or the copper gold ratio or transport equity baskets that are obviously highly sensitive to, to the global manufacturing cycle um, or Russell relative to, to S&P. For us, that's that's a recognition that the US slowdown is beginning to be priced out more accurately by markets. And we can see that again with, with yesterday's jolts data from the US. So if you look at UK exposure to that, uh, you have over 20% over of listed corporate earnings in the UK from, from North America. And uh, which is that's one of the highest exposures in G10. And you have over 12% of the UK export basket directly exposed to the US. So we're more cautious on sterling here. We think, you know, it is a high beta currency. It is sensitive to risk assets at the t at a time where the US is, is slowing down. 
Um, and we do have cable running rich on our fair value model. So we have fair value down at, at 120, uh, look, just looking across, um, across its traditional drivers. So uh, we're more cautious on, on Sterling here. That wraps up today's podcast. Uh, thank you, Morton, for, for joining me. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023 JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on May 3rd, 2023.